Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. On this channel, we are sophisticated worldly people, and as such, it takes a lot to impress us. Oh my God, that cloud looks like a dog. Are you, are you seeing this? This is the Press Box. Being out there against the Nets, I realized that basketball is an impossible sport played by giants and gods. With Grainy and Bischoff. Tweet it, talk it, put it in your pocket. I've made a flimsy take and I'm proud of it. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. Dude, shout out to a simpler time in America oh. when all of us were captivated by the California Raisins. I guess we're not going. Are we going now? Yes. All right, we're going now. That's Jared's fault. Blame Jared. I, I, I get the long pause and I just assume. I shouldn't be assuming anything. If he turned your mic on, it's time to talk. It's Jared's fault. I thought it was on. That's my bad. That's my bad. It was? No, it was no, on. No, it was on. I turned it on because <laughs> I I, I haven't played that open in a while, and I forgot that I added that. It was a good open. Good open. Strong. Yeah. Ed, Tyler, and Jared. <laughs> Both our teams won last night, and I'm not talking about hockey or basketball. I'm talking about a little baseball. You got the first place it's, Angels. It's April 19th, yeah. and Ed's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those Astros and Dodgers, man. They just keep winning. NBA playoff playoff push for the Golden. Who no, cares? No, it's Astros care. and Dodgers on April okay. 19th, I had, baby. I had, I had Channel 690 on, baby. Didn't he have them? He had them not going to the playoffs <laughs> last week. No, he, he always had them in the playoffs. He had them not winning the division and not winning the World Series oh, uh, yeah. approximately five days ago. It's a good chance it holds up. Yeah, they won seven in a row. <laughs> I was on Channel 690 last night. What were you watching mostly last night? Well, I had three screens going. Right, so, right. Yeah. Oh, why wouldn't uh, you? Yeah, you know, I, and I didn't have enough. I needed a fourth because there were two NBA games on at the same time. But I had Golden Knights and Astros and then NBA on the tablet. It was it was a good night. Let's go. <laughs> the first bite. <laughs> The first bite is brought to you by the Unnecessary Roughness podcast from Raider Nation Radio. Is Robin Leonard the reason the Golden Knights lost last night? He's a big reason. And by the way, by the way, I don't know if Pete DeBoer listens, but you and I had it right yesterday. We said who we thought was going to start, and it wasn't Robin Leonard, right? It was my uh, boy. It was uh, my boy yeah. Logan. Yeah, it was, it was not Jared's Robin Leonard. Uh, last night was about as embarrassing of a night that the Golden Knights have ever had. Dave Shane right? said it's the worst loss in history. They like they've had some bad playoff games, right? Obviously, the 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 biggest playoff loss is the Game Seven to San Jose, where they blow a three goal right. lead in the fourth period. But at the very least, at the very least, that was another playoff team. At the very least, there was a uh, questionable call that gave the Sharks a five-minute power. Play. Right, right. The New Jersey Devils suck. They're horrible. The New Jersey Devils were on like the last game of like a six-game yeah. road trip. Five game through through the through the West, and and they this is how they looked before they even went home. New Jersey is awful, and two things were extremely embarrassing last night. Number one. The Golden Knights couldn't score. Yeah, they got a second goal when they had the goalie pulled last night to make it 3-2, to two, but the Golden Knights' only 5-on-5 five five goal last night was because Keegan Colasar fired a centering pass that went off P.K. Subban's yeah. skate, skate and into the net. Not even a shot on goal. Tech, I mean, technically it is, but not in reality. That's the only way they scored a 5-on-5 five five goal against a terrible New Jersey Devils team. But the most embarrassing part of last night 
the second and third goals that Robin Leonard allowed were horrific. Yeah. The, a puck just is floated up at him. He tries to catch it with his glove, drops it, and it gets punched in for goal number two. Okay, it, it happens sometimes, right? There's some bad goals you give up, right? It, it's okay. You're playing the Devils. You should be able to rebound from that. The third goal he gives up, he didn't even move no. when it was shot. It's, he was stand, It looked like he was standing straight up, and he just was staring straight ahead. Like he did wasn't he prepared have at all. No idea where the puck was. And they did turned he have it over right. They, tur- it... they turned it over right in front of him. Right. It's un- It was unbelievable, unbelievably embarrassing for the Golden Knights. A to not be able to score against that team, and B for B. Robin Leonard to play like that because Which is that an F. That F. wasn't. Listen, dropping the puck that's popped up in the air to you. That's not. That's not because you've got an injury and not even going into butterfly. When somebody's shooting right, the puck right, right in front he of just you, stood straight that's not up. that's not because you've got an injury. That's no. that is that is a complete failure by a goaltender. That is unbelievably pathetic. The way the Golden Knights played last night and the way Robin Leonard allowed goals two and three. Failure. It's terrible. I mean, the okay, the third was worse. Uh, even on the first, he he and he gives up a lot of you know throughout his career a lot of rebounds, and he gave up a rebound in the first one as well. Uh, you know, I, I the, the the second and third were worse, but I didn't think the first was great either. No, and the the first one it gives up a rebound, and there is not a Golden Knight in sight. Right. There's only a New Jersey Devil there to poke at home. Yeah, control the rebound a little bit better, but that to me is not as big of a deal. The the second and third were just pathetic. I mean, that's that's not good enough goaltending from an NHL goalie, and so it leads you to this question. Obviously, in hindsight, the answer is clear. But why did Pete DeBoer start the wrong goal? I don't know. How did how did he make that decision? Logan Thompson and okay, here's the goaltending thing that I can't figure out. Logan Thompson had won four straight. Robin Leonard comes back. Robin Leonard gets to start. Robin Leonard starts four in a row. He allows five goals in two of the four games that he starts. And Pete DeBoer decides, you know what? I'm going back to Logan Thompson. Logan Thompson wins a game. Then Logan Thompson loses a game, and he didn't look very good in the last loss. And Pete DeBoer says, you know what? I'm going back to Leonard, Jersey. And here's my problem with Pete DeBoer's decisions on goaltending. There is no logical thought process that you can figure out here. Why? Okay, so if you go back, why go to Leonard when he got back from injury, when Logan Thompson was coming off four straight wins? Mm -hmm. Well, the logic behind that, is that small sample sizes shouldn't be the what makes your decisions for you, right? Robin Leonard is historically a very good goalie. Logan Thompson doesn't have much success, so you're not going to let that small sample size make your decisions for you. You're going to use a larger sample size, Robin Leonard's career, to decide who the better goalie is. That's fine. I have no problem with the logic in that thought process. But then, when Robin Leonard has four starts and two bad games, and Pete DeBoer decides to go back to Logan Thompson, he's now saying, well, small sample size is key. We got to go with the small sample size here and use that. But then when Logan Thompson has one semi-bad game, he immediately goes back to Robin Leonard and is like, well, it's it's all about that one game. There is zero logical thought process as to how Pete DeBoer's decided which goalie has started their last six or seven games yeah. or so. None whatsoever. It has shown zero conviction on which goalie he thinks gives his team the best chance to win, and there's zero logic behind it. 
that he's completely screwed this. Completely I, lost it with trying to decide which goalie should be in net. I just think he keeps giving Leonard uh, second chances and third chances because Leonard's his guy. Leonard, we've talked about this before. Leonard was his guy. I think he was his pick over Flurry. And for some reason, I really think that he likes Robin Leonard because, like you said, it didn't make sense. Okay, he loses in Edmonton. Fine. That was just one loss. He had the 6 1 win uh, in Calgary, yes. Um, yep. You know, I, I don't know why he went. We both said, we both asked each other yesterday who's going to start. We both said Logan Thompson. And by the way, that wasn't even like a consideration for us. No. Like, I didn't even like say, well, maybe Robin. I mean, you know, Robin Leonard came home, had the personal issue. That's fine. Uh, had wasn't Didn't seem right when he was playing. Came, had to come home for a personal issue. It just didn't make sense on any level not to start Logan Thompson last night. Like, we didn't, you didn't even pause. Like, oh, it has to be Logan Thompson. You would have thought so. I mean, that's what I thought was going to happen. And he here, here's the other part of this. If he had, if Robin Leonard comes back from injury and he had just chosen Robin Leonard outright and never went back to Thompson, right? It might've been the wrong decision, but I would have said, okay, like you are, you a believe in Robin Leonard and B you believe in the long-term, you know, or the, the large sample size of his career that he's going to figure it out and be a good goalie logically i would have been fine with that right because you're basically saying robin leonard's the guy but for him to go all right robin leonard for four eh, let's go back to logan thompson for a couple okay let's go back to there's he has zero conviction he has no idea which goalie actually gives his team the best chance to win and he's displayed that for now seven eight eight straight games here by flopping back and forth between two goalies and not really having an idea of which one he needs to start yeah what an embarrassing loss what an embarrassing loss. New Jersey's horrible. Uh, one of the five worst teams in the league. We said yesterday, you know, what are they playing for? Really playing for nothing. And it was Vegas in a must-win situation. Maybe near must-win. Because, again, we still don't know what the Kings are going to do. But that was a bad, bad loss given who now the Golden Knights have to play. They get the Capitals. Yeah, it's San Jose. But then they go on the road to Dallas. They get St. Louis. Kings have a much easier schedule. Just an embarrassing loss in, in a near must-win game. And now I think, I think DeBoer said it last night. I think you have to win out. I mean, it it depends you on what LA to. does. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, yeah, and, LA could really mess things up right. for themselves. And but the real problem is that even if they do win out, they still probably they might miss the playoffs. Right? If sure. LA goes four and one, and the Golden Knights win out, the Golden Knights are not going to the postseason. Right. So even winning out at this point doesn't actually answer the pro- or solve the problem. For the Golden Knights, they need to win out and have L.A. lose multiple games, not just one, multiple games. Plus, so basically, the scenario is overtime losses can make it a little bit more complicated. But the scenario is the L.A. Kings have to lose two more times than the Golden Knights the rest of the season. And there's five games left right. and they do not play a single team that is in playoff contention right now. So that's the real scenario. I mean, it's it's unbelievable that they lost that game last night to, in that way to New Jersey. I mean, that's a terrible team. You're playing for basically everything, a shot at the playoffs. And they and the, the worst part, to, to move on from Leonard for a second, the Golden Knights shots that missed the net 23 times last <laughs> night. 23 times they took a shot and didn't even put it on that. They also had 23 shots blocked, which I think you can give New Jersey credit for that. you got to give New Jersey they, credit for that. Yeah, you, know, you get in the way of a shot right. attempt, but... You have ultimately 46 shots that don't go on net last night. 23 of those in which you just you just couldn't hit the target. That's pathetic. I mean, that is genuinely pathetic for the Golden Knights to be that bad against 
what, what was it? Andrew Hammond was making his fourth start with New Jersey. Yeah. And like yeah. his eighth start of the entire year. Yeah, he hadn't and played much at all. That's the guy that shut him down. I just, uh, I don't know. It's it's a pathetic performance last night. It's an unbelievable loss. It's one, I, I do wonder, we've talked a lot about Bill Foley, and, and we'll get more into this, about how Bill Foley probably doesn't make a big change because Bill Foley's going to look around and say, well, the injuries cost us. I wonder if a game like last night changes. I wonder if that's a big enough indictment for Bill Foley to look around and say, well, this isn't good enough. We we can't go if you know if you lose to the if you lose the postseason spot by a couple of games because you lost to Washington or something okay but I do wonder if that loss last night is enough for Bill Foley to say ooh I need to make some significant changes not just force them to fire the power play coach uh, I don't I don't think so I, I it's okay. a horrible horrible loss I still think he's gonna uh, ultimately he's gonna if they don't make the playoffs he'll take a breath step back talk to people and they'll say look you can't you couldn't come over overcome all these injuries when they came back. Uh, they didn't have enough time to play each other. I, 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 a lot sounds like excuses. I'm just saying what I think is going to happen. And I think that he'll kind of stay the course. Now, doesn't mean some of the assistants won't go. That, that's We've talked about that before. I think if you don't make the playoffs, someone's going. I mean, it, yeah, it, you're, not, you're not bringing everybody going. back. You're not, bringing you're not every, saying, let's, no. let's run it back, guys. No, let's, let's get 88 points again. Let's no. do the same thing. No, yeah. but the main main people here, uh, GMGM, GM, uh, McPhee, DeBoer, I think are all back. All right. Coming up next, is Nick Nurse and Joel Embiid the best rivalry in the first round? He's the most dominant player in this league to me, you know, physically. And and that's what we told him. Be be who you are. Uh, be dominant. He's a great coach, obviously. I got to, you know, what he's been able to accomplish. And, you know, I've always been a big fan. Um, but, you know, I, I told him, uh, you know, uh, respectfully, uh, and told him uh, uh, to stop <laughs> about calls. Uh, You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. The 76ers beat the Raptors 112-97 yesterday, took a 2-0 series lead on Toronto. Joel Embiid had 31 points. He only made nine shots from the floor, though, because he made 12 of 14 free throws. He shot 12 of those in the first quarter alone. Nick Nurse, after game one, complained to the referees about Joel Embiid, specifically about uh, elbows that Joel Embiid got away with in game one but to the larger point Joel Embiid getting uh, a lot of calls that his players were not getting and then in quarter number one Embiid still went to the line 12 times Joel Embiid still ended up shooting more free throws than the Raptors did combined does Joel Embiid get the most favorable whistle in the NBA has he switched places with his new teammate (laughs) has he switched places now with in terms of favorable whistles with his new teammate who hasn't been very good at all I, I think so. I think it, he has. it is. It's unreal because if you remember, it was Shaq a while ago. Yes. He was the one that complained like, you know, I get smacked all the time. But because on I'm, every play. Yeah. But because I'm big, it, it, does, it doesn't affect me. So the refs don't call it. It's just a slap on the wrist and it doesn't bother me as much. But it's still technically a foul. Joel Embiid is the example that Shaq was talking about. Joel Embiid is the player that gets every single mm-hmm. call. I mean, the first quarter was ridiculous last night. Joel Embiid touched the ball in the paint. It was a foul 
on Toronto. Now, here's the the, the question is, letter of the law, they're probably all fouls, right? You're not supposed right. to bump a guy right. who's going to the rim. But nobody else gets that call. I mean, Pascal Siakam in the same game didn't get those calls when he drove to the rim. Nikola Jokic in the next game on TNT last night didn't get those calls in the paint. We like, saw what he, happened to him. Yeah, and he Joel Embiid gets the most favorable whistle I've ever seen a big man get in basketball. It's unbelievable. I think uh, we go back to what Harden used to do. Wasn't I think Harden before him had the most favorable whistle, but... I mean, to shoot 12 free throws in the first quarter alone, I mean, that's amazing. And I do like that he told uh, to told Nick Nurse to stop uh, you-know-what-about calls. That was actually pretty funny. It, it is. It's great. Yeah, it's absolutely good because they were in last, whatever, two minutes of the game, the Sixers were just dribbling the clock out, and, and Embiid was standing by the Toronto bench, and they like had like a 10-second conversation. It, it's great. And if you're Embiid, this is what you should be doing over and over. And listen, if you're Nick Nurse, you should well, be you complaining. you should be complaining all the time. That's your job. Because, A, you need to get as many calls as you can. Yeah. And, B, like, in all seriousness, Pascal Siakam should get some of these B. calls, too. He's he's as tall as Embiid. you got to try to protect your guys somewhat. I'd, right. I'd, I'd, I'd complain the entire time also. But it is, it's unreal how many times he goes the line and you look at it and you say, well, that, like, yeah, there was contact, but not very much. And, like, every other NBA game I've watched in the postseason – they don't call that. Like you turn around, Nikola Jokic got ejected last night. If Nikola Jokic got the calls that Joel Embiid did, Nikola Jokic would not have gotten. No, he'd be fine. He night. wouldn't be slamming balls on the ground. <laughs> he would have been perfectly fine with last night. But Nikola Jokic doesn't get those calls. Joel Embiid does, and it's it's incredible. I I don't know exactly how that's happened for Embiid to get every single call, but it does. It, that's exactly how it's worked out, which is good for the Sixers now. Maybe more importantly than Joel Embiid and his free throws, because despite all the free throws, Toronto was still hanging around. The reason that the Sixers pulled away there is because of Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey went off 23 points, 8 of 11 shooting after his 38 points in game one. You believe in Tyrese Maxey now? I do now. Remember yesterday, I wasn't sure he'd score 38 the no. rest of the series. Yeah, <laughs> now, he's got, now he's 23 up on me. So my guess is he's going to get to that 38 mark, even if they sweep. The, the curious part of Tyrese Maxey and the 76ers is that in this series, he is clearly the part of the big two with Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. And James, James Harden. Harden is not. No, not James Harden. James Harden, he's scored some, 22 in game one, 14 in game two, but his shooting has been awful. He, was, he wasn't shooting well to end the regular season, and he shot 6-17 in game one. He shot 3-9 in game two. For Philadelphia... Tyrese Maxey has stepped up, and Tyrese Maxey has provided that secondary, or primary so far in this series, primary offensive scoring to go along with Joel Embiid. And I have to imagine, though, if the 76ers are going to do anything, if the 76ers are actually going to beat Miami in round two and have a legitimate shot to get out of the East, they're going to need James Harden to play like James Harden with Tyrese Maxey playing like this, and I don't know how realistic it is. I, I think right now it's more realistic to say Tyrese Maxey continues this level of play than and James Harden, Harden doesn't. Then James Harden turns it around. But I don't and think is, that, is any good. I don't think they can advance past another round without with James Harden playing this way. Probably. I mean, not. I, don't, I just don't think they can. Well, I mean, Toronto's Toronto. They'd get Miami in the second round. They get the Hall of Famer. And James Harden would get beat up. They'd punch him in the stomach and kick his legs and stuff. I mean, then, <laughs> well, he, no, you then he really won't be shooting well. 
you don't go after Harden. Well, maybe series. you go after Max. Harden sucks. You go after the other two. You're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, let Harden shoot. We're going to injure these other two guys. I am, you know what? I am now fascinated to see round two Miami Philly. Do they give Joel Embiid the calls against well, the Heat? If they do, he's shooting 20 free throws in the first quarter because they're going to be hacking them left and right. Because the Heat kind of go with the general premise of they're not going to call everything. Right. Right. Like they right. like we're going to be physical and they, they the refs are not going to call everything. They're, they cannot call a foul on every possession, even if we foul them on every possession. I'm fascinated to see who kind of wins that battle of do the refs essentially call everything and send them be to the free throw line? Or do they give the heat defense the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? We'll let you play a little bit more physical, and Embiid only shoots seven free throws in a game. I, I am now fascinated for that in the second round. Can we just fast forward to that? I don't need to watch the Raptors anymore. Would it be a stupid defensive plan to just be like, nobody touch Embiid? As soon as he has the ball in his hands, clear a lane and just be like, go ahead. You got then it. Then he just dunks. Okay, well, then he dunks, and then you go and you shoot a three. <laughs> You will lose if if you give him a dunk. Hold on, hold on. A three is worth fifty percent more than a dunk. Right, but if you give him beat a dunk on every possession, he he's going. 60. He's going sixty. <laughs> he's going to make ninety nine percent of those dunks. You're not going to make. You have to make what? Uh, at that rate, you've got to make more than is humanly possible from three point range to to actually be competitive. Robinson, you will lose. You will absolutely lose and it won't be close. Because that's the problem. Embiid's actually good. It's not like he's just going to get to the free throw. He's actually good at the sport. He just gets the benefit of shooting 14 free throws in a game. So, yeah, I'm, I want to see that series. Uh, that'll be fun. Um, Nikola Jokic got ejected got last night. tossed. Uh, do you think he's more frustrated with not getting calls or more frustrated with the Nuggets not being competitive? Oh, I think it's both, but maybe not getting calls. He, you know, he probably he probably thinks he deserves a lot more calls given his stature and he's reigning MVP, probably be two-time MVP. So he probably is like, why do some stars get calls and I don't? If he if he watched the 76ers game, he is well, frustrated yeah, about exactly. not getting calls. Yeah, he's like, wait a exactly. minute. <laughs> he's stay, he's, he probably yelled at the ref for his second technical that got him ejected. He probably yelled, did you see what Embiid got earlier? Yes. <laughs> That's probably what he was yelling. He was like, Embiid gets that call. It was great. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the Nuggets, it's... Honestly, from a nugget standpoint, it's a little tough to watch because we know how good Nikola Jokic is, and there's just they don't have their second and third best players. Right. I mean, you don't have Murray or Michael Porter Jr. It's tough to watch because Jokic is good, and they just have no chance because the Warriors keep trotting out the death lineup, and it's unbelievably good. It is in the end of first halves, they're 42 and 14, outscoring the Nuggets when that death lineup is on the in floor. the last 10 minutes. Yeah, the last five minutes of each of each wow. first half so far in this series, it's forty two to fourteen. How good has Jordan Poole been? Uh, he's incredible. He's just twenty nine last night. Incredible. And it's again, I said it on Monday. The fact that he's taking and making Steph Curry and Clay Thompson type threes in the postseason is they're going to win the title if Jordan Poole is doing. If he that. keeps doing that, they'll win it all. Now yeah, we'll but, see. It's a big if. If he keeps if making have, those kind of threes. If you have three guys that can do that, you're go, you're going to win the championship. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Coming up next. David Roth joins the show. November, December, January. Wait, did it start in October? Dishwasher Watch. David Roth from Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to the Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. The best part of this uh, dishwasher saga is I don't even get to ask you, do you have a dishwasher? I get to ask, does your building have a manager yet? Well, we, we definitely don't. 
uh, I have no idea when that's going to happen. I think this is going to be kind of a um, the, the process through which the Mets wound up with Billy Epler as their GM, where they like first asked everybody else that was a GM or had ever been a GM if they wanted to be the GM of the Mets. That's going to happen with us, and then we're going to get a guy, you know, in mid-2023, probably a very qualified candidate, um, maybe someone who'd been the building manager at a building in Fresno or Tulsa at some point, and then, uh, and then we'll see how that goes. I, have, um, I do have a new development there, though, if you'd Uh-oh. like to hear about oh. it. Uh-oh. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm joining a resistance within my building. Uh, there's an oh, online sort of like group of tenants who are, it's not like a, you know, organizing thing. It's mostly like a, like that next door app, but it's just for people that live in your building. But I'm going to go in there and just ask if anybody's got a good electrician that they've successfully smuggled into the building during the last six months. I don't need to go in there and like talk with them about like, have you noticed people aren't wiping down the equipment in the gym? Like, I don't want to have that conversation. I'm going to do a surgical strike, get an electrician's name, and then maybe delete the app. But I think it's the, uh, that's the most promising development we've had in a while. So you don't See, want to be a good neighbor. You just want I'm, to... I'm, already a, I'm a good neighbor. I just don't want to be a good neighbor, like, on the phone Helping necessarily, <laughs> like, uh, like gossiping about, like, one of the doormen grew a mustache and it doesn't look good. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like that's, I'll have that conversation in person in an elevator for 35 seconds. And that is, that is being a good neighbor. This is New York City. The bar is different now, you know? And nobody on a neighborhood message board is a good neighbor. The people oh that are God, on yeah. are, are, are not the good neighbors. Me. Yeah, nobody on there is an actual. They're gossipers. Good they gossip. Yeah. I don't know if they're good neighbors, they but everything's about gossiping. Yeah, it's kind of like it would be like it's the idea that makes people join a neighborhood watch, but also they're shut-ins. So they're kind of like, have you noticed that there's been a man around? I've seen a man on the sidewalk, and everybody else is like, I saw him too, and I didn't appreciate that very much. But it's like that is like the vibe of it when you transpose that onto like an entire neighborhood and it's just everybody getting themselves all like spun up about some stuff that maybe isn't happening at all that is frightening to me i will see what the the vibe is like in this most of the people in my building as i said are just kind of like attorneys you know like i'm not expecting it to be uh super hot goss one way or the other but who knows maybe maybe there are some spicy takes on there yet i haven't really dipped my toe yet i just downloaded the app i have a important prediction from you um yes we have seen a woman try to glue herself to the court. We have seen a woman try to chain herself uh, to the basket. How will this group that is very upset at Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor protest tonight in Memphis? It's kind of exciting. I don't know if they're – I mean, Memphis seems like it would be a slightly more challenging environment to get people to pay attention to that. And, I mean, even in – Minnesota, like during the ESPN broadcast, it was basically just like Richard Jefferson making jokes about the idea of such a thing the whole time while they were like working to cut the bike guy had used to get himself on the stanchion. I don't know. I mean, I guess in some ways, like you could say that now everybody, like one of the things you think of when you think of Glenn Taylor is runs a monstrous factory farm. Uh, So I don't know. Does that mean mission accomplished? Like you can stop trying to do this? Like I'd really... Especially the Timberwolves are good, man. If they get another series, like, I do not want to see someone attempt to do, like, a self-immolation at a game. Like, it's, I think, like, this is, this is escalating entirely too quickly. Well, he's also selling the team, so wait, yeah. wait on your glue. Right. I mean, it's not like, especially once A-Rod gets there, like, there's going to be all kinds of weird stuff to protest, and I think that that'll be, you might not want to, like, be gluing yourself to anything, but if, if 
like A-Rod's going to put a lot of pictures of himself up, like, on a, on a sailboat wearing, like, just a full linen outfit. And I feel like fans should be ready to protest that, too, when it happens. Do you think that the other members of this group were mad at the lady who only tried to glue her wrist to the court? Because I have to imagine they talked about this, and it was like, yeah, I'll glue myself to the court. And everybody yep. thought, okay, she's going to glue, like, her whole body, and then it was just nope. her wrist. <laughs> yeah. I do get the sense that that's one of those things where there's probably, like, a lot of planning that goes into it. And then, you know, the, the biggest stage, brightest lights, you know, TNT national game, like, Maybe you panic, and instead of doing that, you just kind of you have glued your sneaker to the floor, and everybody's like, that's just weird. And you're like, oh, I guess I choked. Like, I do sense that there was, like, an attempt there. I mean, the thing with the, the lock and was, like, you know, they didn't show it as much. I'm assuming that that was, like, a more successful protest just in the sense that uh, it took a little bit longer. Like, neither one of them really disrupted the game terribly, uh, but... Yeah, that definitely did feel like one of those things that like seemed like a good idea when you're planning it, and then when it happens, you're just like, this is it's like annoying. Plus, is about the ceiling on that, and that's not what you're trying to do. When you know the message that you're trying to send is this guy is brutalizing animals, and like the worst you could do is inconvenience everyone for 45 seconds to get that message across. I thought it was funnier as they carried her off, took the legs up, took the arms up, head head bobbing up and down as they carried her away. <laughs> yeah. It's also, I mean, it's just one of those deals, too, where, like, not to say that animal rights are not important. They're important. It is, like, of all the sort of protests that are easily, like, as soon as you see it, where you're kind of like, oh, it's like a chicken thing, huh? Like, it's just, <laughs> like, there's not, like, the issue that is going to get people in the streets, necessarily. And so, like, the whole vibe of it is, like, yeah, like, going going limp and yelling, like, I'm not resisting as you're, like, removed <laughs> from the court very easily by three off-duty police officers is kind of, like, it fits the, the broader scope of the thing. Like, it's not, like, an, uh, you know, nuclear weapons or whatever. Like, this is that's, like, the vibe that you want from a chicken protest. Have you chosen a side in the terrible battle between Kyrie Irving and Boston Celtics fans? There's It's a real whoever wins, we lose scenario. I am loving the series so far. I mean, I think the, um, just, I mean, I don't know that there's any outcome that would surprise me. Like the Celtics look incredible. I also feel like if Durant doesn't play badly, the Nets could just win the next four games. Like they're they, like, that was like about as good as I've seen them look, even with like, you know, a mediocre game from Durant. But yeah, mostly I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, like this new liberated version of Kyrie, which is funny because I never really thought of him as the guy that was like holding himself back before. <laughs> <laughs> but him doing the like the uh, double birds while like pretending to scratch his head, like all this like real third grade stuff, like that's game one. You know, like we've got plenty. If this series goes like six or seven, and like I don't know what's, you know, where the ceiling is in terms of like how he could escalate that. Obviously, the Boston fans, I'm sure, are yelling some extremely disgusting stuff at him. And I would say that, you know, whatever, I can't blame him. But also, it's uh, there was something kind of weird about it. Like, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a man. I've seen things. Like, it's not the first time I've seen somebody flip off uh, fans during a game. It's definitely, the like, the three goofiest instances of it ever being done, though, were all done by Kyrie in that game. <laughs> so either they were in his head or he needs to, like, get in the lab and workshop some new, cooler ways to uh, tell people to buzz <laughs> off. 
Do you like his reasoning that he's only given the energy back? He, I feel like using the word energy is one of those things that I started doing a few years ago. I don't remember making the choice to do it, just kind of snuck in there, and now I'm periodically a guy that uses words like energy and vibe. Uh, <laughs> I've done it during this interview. I'm from New Jersey. These are not <laughs> concepts that were, like, common when I was growing up. Like, that was just, like, a thing. You go in there and you're like, I don't like this, and that's it. That was... So Kyrie's understanding of what energy is is something that it's like I both I don't want to know about it and then also I would like to watch like maybe a six hour limited series streaming on a premium cable broadcaster where like people that know Kyrie explain what his understanding of that term is because he's got he's clearly got a justification in his head and some of it is like I mean he's an infuriating guy like that's part of his appeal, I guess, or whatever it is. So, like, seeing that interview where he says stuff like that, and he's like, you know, they're, they're yelling at me, I'm, I'm yelling back at them in the way that I can. All right, like, that I get. And then, like, as soon as there's a follow-up, he's like, there's no animosity. There's nothing. There's nothing to talk about. <laughs> like, he just, like, can't stay focused on one answer for very long because, like, either he's bored of the answer he just gave or, uh, yeah, he's detecting a vibological disruption from the person asking him he's not going to honor it how much should the padres be policing fernando tatis playing soccer on the field before a game i mean for me the answer is zero i enjoyed watching it uh there's definitely a part of it though like if he becomes like a zion williamson guy where like you the only things that you hear about him are like bizarre missteps in his (laughs) Uh, rehab, or they're kind of like, yeah, like he just bought the whole taco truck and drove it off. Like he picked the guys out. <laughs> like you know, it's like if we start seeing stories like that, like I'm going to be very upset because like I love watching him play. And the idea, I mean, I guess maybe you get one motorcycle related mishap per uh, star quality baseball career. I think you know it should be possible to get that down to zero if you're committed. But, like, he's already had that one. So, like, if there's other stuff that he's doing, like, if, if we see, like, footage of him riding a unicycle on a highway or something like that, then they're going to need to take him aside. <laughs> it's weird that, you, that like, over the, in the fullness of time, like, you kind of get what Manny Machado was on about now. <laughs> like, I don't like agreeing with the guy that's getting in the star player's face, especially when that guy is Manny Machado. And yet, at the same time, like, yeah, maybe fewer uh hijinks would be <laughs> worth it for a little while well he is david roth here to justify manny machado and kyrie irving for everybody yeah david, oh, as always, wow thank you <laughs> we appreciate it yeah it's terrific i look forward to seeing who i wind up backing next week thanks for having me guys have a good one thanks so there is david roth from defector as always. I forgot fun, about fun. that Machado thing. I forgot about yeah. him calling him out. It's great. Listen, the Padres are great entertainment. I don't yeah. know if they're ever actually going to be good or win anything, but they are terrific entertainment. Coming up next, we might not be the dumbest city to give public money to a football stadium. Absolutely. I mean, that's without question. To your point, what you saw out here, that's five years of training behind the scenes to make sure I'm ready and stay ready at the highest level. You don't do that if you don't, if you don't have a passion and you don't believe you're going to find, find a way on that field. If an opportunity presented itself today and they said, we want to bring you in as the backup, would you take that? Yeah. You'll take that. If an opportunity... I, I know I have to find my way back in. Okay. So, yeah, if I have to come in as a backup, that's fine. But that's not, where I'm, that's not where I'm staying. And when I prove 
that I'm a starter, I want to be able to step on the field as such. I just need that opportunity to walk through the door. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. So, the state of Nevada once gave the Raiders $750 million to come here and build a new stadium. We've got Allegiant Stadium now. We've got the Raiders now. And pretty soon, that's going to look like a bargain. Uh, the Tennessee Titans might get $1.2 billion in public money for a new stadium to stay in Nashville. Uh, plus, the Buffalo Bills have already gotten more than the Raiders. They're going to get like $850 million from Buffalo to build a non-domed stadium in Buffalo. Actually, I should say not from Buffalo. It's partially from Buffalo, but mostly from the state of New York for the Buffalo Bills. So we're... Ed, we, we got a bargain. Seven fifty? That's nothing yeah. for NFL stadium. I know apparently. you always thought that. <laughs> I know you've been a proponent of that seven fifty. What a great uh, deal. It was a great deal. And uh, you know, congratulations to the Syntac <laughs> committee and to the legislatures and to the governor at the time. Uh what a deal it was to give seven fifty. Oh, we, we nailed it. Might as well I give seven fifty the A's. Right. Why not? Yeah, it's why cheap. Not? That's yeah. nothing to give out. But one of the funniest things that I have seen regarding stadiums and public money, right? When when they had those SNTIC meetings, when this went to the state legislature, there were a lot of bad arguments, a lot of poor logic as to why public money for the Raiders and for that stadium was going to be a good thing, right? But this one might be the worst I've ever seen. This is Crystal Peoples-Jones, uh, who is a state representative in New York. And she said that it's okay for the bills to get public money, $850 million, because it will benefit senior citizens because they will be able to shop in empty supermarkets when the bills are playing. What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> they need a, they need to, they need a little uh, open 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 uh, fairway there on the uh, with the with the carts. Come on. Okay, there are how many home games a year? Uh, well, either eight or nine. So these old people only need to shop for groceries eight or nine days a year. <laughs> Come on. What about the, what about the rest of the year? The Bills play eight or nine home games in the span of like four months. The other eight months of the year, they're just screwed. They can't go grocery shopping. As someone who actively spends time with a ninety-year-old. <laughs> That may be too many times based on the amount of food they, she has in her pantry and her fridge at any given time. So they don't even need to go to the grocery store, Jared. No. They don't, they don't need to go at all. Yeah, well, I mean, eight times. That's, that, yeah, that, that, that's good for the year because there is a can of French I mean, onion soup that I'm pretty sure has been there since the Reagan administration. I mean, nine, forget about it. Eight's good. Don't add, I mean, if it's a year where they have a ninth game because of 17, forget about it. What what about like now when we're when we're in the middle of the off season? They just what if they Stocked need something up already. now? But you got to buy all non perishables in the winter. You can't buy mm. any fresh fruit. I mean, once again, <laughs> they, they they weren't buying fresh fruit to begin with. <laughs> I she said this well, out loud. Dried yes. apricots, Tyler. Yes. Dried apricots and prunes. <laughs> She said this out loud that a benefit to giving the Bills public money was that old people would have a time to shop when everybody else was at the Bills game. Yeah. Which, by the way, 
also implies that these old people are not Bills fans, which I have a well, hard time believing. Especially the old in Buffalo, in Buffalo aren't Bills fans. They're probably well, some of the biggest fans because they've stayed with them for so many years. But they they can't. They're not going to the game because they can't get power bombed through a table anymore. And like they're ketchup get, and yeah, mustard. They'll break a hip. Them. Yeah, but they want to watch that. They don't want to go to the grocery store. They want to they want to live vicariously through other people doing it. And you can't do that when you're shopping for French onion soup on your eight Saturdays or eight Sundays a year. By the way, what happens when the Bills play a night game? These old people are in bed. Uh, they can't go to the grocery store at 6 p.m. It's got to be 24 hours, right? What's got to be 24 hours? No. No. The, the, this, this, this town. Is there a living, certain, living is there a certain this time span? Yeah. Like they would shop. Yeah, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. <laughs> they already shop when nobody else is awake. Jared's agreeing he, he, with yeah, everything he's, he's, he's got free. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> they all, they already do. That's already what it is. I, they, they shop when everybody else is asleep. And by the way, these old people, are they retired? Just go to the grocery store on, like, Tuesday when everybody's at work. You're not buying this reasoning for eight hundred fifty million dollars. I mean, it's so sound. I can't believe you like. Uh, I can't believe you're laughing at this. It's such a sound. Uh, you, I, I, I just wish, I just wish we got this reasoning with the seven fifty. Right. It would have been awesome That'd to like write about and phenomenal. talk about. It'd have been phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it had, the, take someone from Buffalo to come up with the best reasoning for give eight hundred fifty million dollars. Well, where was Carolyn Goodman to tell us that we yes. need to give the Raiders money so that old people could shop on Sundays? She was too busy <laughs> trying to get Seth Klarman to give her a soccer stadium. That's right. Who's that? Seth Klarman? He's not real. He doesn't exist. Uh, listen, at this point, I'm starting to believe Wes Edens isn't real either. <laughs> all these people that are supposed to be bringing soccer to Las Vegas are not real people. They're all fake. Wes Edens, Seth Klarman, they're just, they're just, they're NFTs is what they are. You can buy them online, but they don't really exist. An NFT of Seth Klarman is more valuable than Seth Klarman.